the theme for the afternoon talk is living with our heart. I was speaking to the uh, editorial uh, director, she is known, Julia, at uh, uh, Rider Books, who uh, published a, a range of uh, spiritual uh, books, including uh, some of my own. And she was telling to me that currently there is quite a lot of uh, examination and re-evaluation of book sales, spiritual book sales. There are rather a lot of new spiritual books coming out all the time. You and I will have been into the bookshops and uh, noticed. And trying to catch what interests people, what people are focusing on, what is the priority at the present time. And during the 90s and right up into the more recent uh, period, there has been, and very understandably, a lot of interest in the heart. And when you and I go into shops, spiritual uh, bookshops, there'll be loads of books, loads of them, with the word heart in. Some of you never know the title. So do I. Jack Cornfield, Powerful Heart, huge bestseller. Not because of the title I have, not to add, good content. And uh, numerous other books and themes. And perhaps the exploration of our heart and the looking into our heart is because sometimes we feel perhaps our life is too much in our mind, too much information, too much knowledge, too much accumulation of uh, facts. And there's the condition of our heart, how our heart expresses itself. We live in a, a culture where the core theme of our culture concerns the heart. Think of any song, poem, literature, theatre, drama, cinema, etc. We find the heart running through painfully and pleasurably. And sometimes when we look into our, our own heart, we see how easily it can be affected by outer and inner circumstances. Outer, through what we see and hear, mostly. And inner, through what some of our old patterns and tendencies are. And sometimes we have rather a fixed idea of how our heart, how we would like our heart's life to be. Naturally enough, we don't want fear in our heart. Hopefully, we don't want to be angry about anything. Hopefully, we don't want to live envious of what other people have. Hopefully, we don't want to be jealous if 
a love we have for somebody and their love is going to somebody else, etc. And yet we find ourselves easily in the condition of the heart under pressure. And one of the things that we notice about that is that when we're under pressure uh, with the heart, the impact of it seems to affect our whole day. We can have some thoughts about something and they can, and they can be quite short-lived. But in matters of the heart, which has its impact and effect on us, seems to last longer. The issue, what it is that's going on for us, can go on and on, because the heart's troubled in some way or other. And perhaps when we're caught in that way, we're forgetting all the times and the precious moments when the heart is untroubled, when the heart isn't in any kind of problematic condition. And I think some of the recipe, we might say, for living with a healthy and happy heart is actually to acknowledge more fully and to be more clear in ourselves of all the precious, wonderful moments that arise in our day. I think what easily happens with us, and it's a, and we pay a rather strong price for this, is that when things are going along okay, we tend to take it for granted. Then something doesn't go as you and I would like, it makes its impact on us, and then we're kind of taken off course. Then the heart's troubled, the mind's troubled, the daily life is troubled, uh, etc. So, the bringing of more attention to something, real attention, is what love is. To bring more attention to is the statement of love. Sometimes we notice this, those of you I get the chance to hang out with, uh, with kids. One notices that very, <coughs> very noticeably. And it causes some distress for some of us when we see parents or others on the street or in the supermarket giving their little kids uh, a hard, hard time. Most of the time, what the children are saying to their parents is, please give me more attention. Naturally enough, they're children. Please give me more attention. And when we really give the, the child attention, and we really focus on the child and giving the child real attention, free from the judgmental mind, that quality, that focusing, is love. Is love. And all of us, you and I, and all, all beings, appreciate the receiving of attention. Because that shows love there. And I think in that respect, with uh, young children, we can learn, uh, learn a great deal from all of that. And perhaps I just, I may say, perhaps just had a little reminder uh, of uh, children and little ones. Because when I, um, when I ar- arrive, I actually got it in my pocket because I'm so keen to show, it's so sweet. Um, and I got upstairs to my room, I put my hand in my pocket to get out a 
handkerchief out or something, and I pulled out this, this little sock. Now, some of you may think, well, he's got rather small feet, Christopher, hasn't he? No, 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 no. And this is the uh, little sock of my uh, uh, grandson. And he came uh, to uh, stay a couple of nights ago. So we both of us, we kind of camp out on the sofa. He's two years of uh, age. And in the morning I was in the kitchen. He doesn't call me granddad, he calls me granddan. So he shouted out, Grandan, I'm awake. You can imagine a thrill for a Buddhist on <laughs> <laughs> Grandad, I'm awake. <laughs> so I went back in there for some teachings. <laughs> I assured him that there were beings with little dust in their eyes. <laughs> you know, it's those of you know the text. Uh, there. <coughs> so sometimes, there we make uh, uh, connections. And if we say, I want my heart to be full, I want it to be open, I want it to be rich. In another way, we could say to ourselves, what in life is truly worth giving attention to? What really matters? Because the heart and attention have an important relationship. What really matters? And sometimes there is a gap, and we know it. We feel it. We can. We can. We, we can sense it. And that gap for us can be: I'm giving far too much time to something, giving a tremendous amount of attention to something. And we say to ourselves, and we say to each other, but actually my heart's not in it. And so that gap starts to set in. <coughs> We'd be a rare species, you and I could be, every moment, heart is loving and fully attentive to whatever we, you and I have to do or we are doing. But sometimes it's not just a short-lived lack of heartfulness, it's actually going on and on. And it's going on day in and day out, day in. Giving attention to and our heart's not with it. And that can be in any area of our life. Sometimes, and we could make some time for this while we are here to bring this joy up in our life. Sometimes, and this isn't an easy one for us, we really then have to rather ask ourselves with regard to this. What will help me? bring out the heartfulness. What would help actually make the connection between my heart and what or whom I am giving attention to every day? What's going to make that link? So I'm not just giving attention to inwardly I'm cold, inwardly I'm resistant, inwardly I've got no interest in it, I'm just doing it because I'm being paid, I'm just doing it because I've got to do it, I'm just doing it because it's a chore or whatever so that the heart and attention get some relationship with each other. For sometimes, the heart may be gone. It may just not be there. It isn't short-lived. It's not just a temporary loss of our feeling about. 
But what we're experiencing, in fact, <coughs> is a significant change. And it's gone. And we may be patient, and we may have explored, we may have asked ourselves, and wondered, etc. And then we may have more major decisions. We may have to take risks. We may have to think again about what really matters, where our heart is. So the heartfulness of life and our attention matters a great deal. It could be for us that it's not so matter that my heart has gone out of what I give attention to, but perhaps what we experience is some imbalance. Imbalance means what is my heart neglecting? What is it that could be closer to me than I appreciate or than I realize that I need to give more attention to and therefore bring more love to, more connection with? Most of the time it's the ordinary. The best things of life are actually the ordinary. The best things of life is the sky above and earth below. The best things of life is the, the light of a new day. The best things of life are hearing the old rooks having a good argument up in the trees as they've been doing for generations in this place. And these things which you and I can't buy and can't order, we can't send a message out to them to shut up. They're, they're, they're in here for one reason. If they're not in here, they get shot. They know a good place when they find it. They know there are a lot of what should we call it, contented Buddhists down below are not going to be shooting them, like the farmers. So sometimes, just ordinary small things of life, could that be received by the heart and be completely unfiltered? Unfiltered. Somewhere, <coughs> that might help you and I to put into some kind of perspective the struggles that go on. Maybe we've got out of harmony because we're exaggerating some things at the expense of the ordinary, of the everyday. Are we exaggerating some things at the expense of the ordinary? Just before coming, a few days ago, the uh, good uh, director at uh, Guy House sent uh, an email and said, Oh, Christopher, the, uh, there was a the background first to it. Uh, that there was a report in the, uh, some analysis of religion in the West Country. And it turns out that um, uh, the Buddhists, and I don't care about labels, labels, I don't even call myself a Buddhist, so don't worry about it, but apparently the, the, the Buddhist is the second major religion of the West Country, the fastest growing religion in the West Country. So they wanted to send a TV documentary team 
down to Gaia House and spend two days with us here in the meditation hall. <laughs> in about two or three days uh, time. But I wasn't quite sure whether your depth of meditation <laughs> would be deep enough <laughs> so that you wouldn't be in any way affected by huge arc lights <laughs> sound crews, camera crews walking around and um, microphones stuck up your nose and, and being filmed at coast level right? I mean some of you may have reached the deep samadhi where you wouldn't even know that they were in here but I thought just in case there were one or two of you who weren't at that kind of depth in two or three days' time, I said, um, could you come back the following week when nobody is here? Keith <laughs> <laughs> shouldn't laugh because I said we could have rent a mob, <laughs> which means dragging, kicking and screaming the, the managers to represent the hardcore meditators and uh, a few a few others. So sometimes we, situations come to us, unexpected, whatever it, whatever it might be. And it is a challenge for us to stay content and okay with the circumstances of life when they show themselves to us. So one point, just as I was saying a moment or two ago, what's my relationship of the heart to attention? Second point is, other areas of my life which I know are important, which are ordinary and everyday, which I keep forgetting, I keep neglecting, or sometimes that I keep resisting. Second, third feature, <coughs> too, with working with our heart, heart and uh, uh, developing our heart, the different features and as- aspects of that. One, just referred to a few moments ago, and in the tradition it's called mudita, M-U-D-I-T-A, and that is appreciative joy. And it's a rather important theme and uh, expression of experience. And what's meant and implied by that is sometimes we have appreciation. We're walking around on the retreat and... uh, there's some eye contact with somebody, one sees an old friend, there's a, a gesture of uh, warmth, there's something which touches us in some way or other. There's appreciation of all the efforts the good staff put in. If heart is open, these things touch us quite noticeably. It's not just a momentary, oh, wasn't that nice, oh, isn't that nice, and now I get on with my life. No, it's much more. The touch of the touch of it is a process, and that process is there's let us say an impression on the eye or on the ear. There is a, a feeling response. There is a contact uh, which ta- takes place, and in, and it touches. And these are the, the the jewels of life, the real delights of life. Something which touches and brings out that momentary joy with us. And we actually see and we actually feed it. We allow ourselves to feed it. I was speaking in a, in a European city. I was asking in uh, we, had, we were having an evening one meeting to the group 
what has touched you today? What's been your experience that really you connected with today? And one of the women walking uh, to the meeting said that she stopped uh, at uh, the window of a shop and at the shop window she saw a lovely piece of artwork and it wasn't that the first thought that arose in the mind oh what a lovely piece of artwork I'd like to buy it, I want it but rather than the wanting mind coming in what struck her was the amount of care and love and attention that had gone into making that piece of work and she had a real feeling from her, a real appreciation for the time and the love that somebody had put in to making this piece of art there <coughs> and then I said to her and then what happened after that? she said, well while looking at that piece of uh, artwork the thought arose in my mind oh, I'm going to be late for the meeting i better get on and I thought maybe it's rather systematic of a thousand and one things in our life and I said to her better to be late for the meeting and arrive Indian time as I say which means when one arrives at the right time rather than uh, European time and just allow oneself to appreciate it allow oneself just to acknowledge that and, and that attention shows love for the work shows love for the artist etc these things is what we wish to be connected with these things which we wish which we wish to feel more sometimes in our um, um, communications and this attention one of the words which is used in the Pali Sanskrit tradition very lovely word it's called Sakshi and Sakshi is to witness it is to witness to be a witness sometimes in life we're, we're not really witnessing and that means rather staying rather calm and steady with the heart and just witnessing and receiving we're spending far too much time going out to get in all the ways that uh, we can do that but the quality of uh, the, the witness is a rather calm abiding of the whole being of just what is present this is to witness you know plenty of times in uh, our day-to-day -day life and here <coughs> where we can witness we could stand by a tree and in that standing by a tree we feel a certain connection just through being upright just through being rather tree-like and just present with the tree and there's a long tradition of great love of uh, trees of uh, nature just to sense the tree see the tree, feel the tree touch the tree, all that part of that kind of getting close and witnessing that capacity that you and I have just to witness existence to witness the nature and we have various friends who are 
engaged in different types of witnessing and their practice and their steadiness and their heart is being very much tested uh, by that just in Saranath in uh, India this is the place where the, the Buddha gave his first uh, uh, teaching it's about half an hour from Saranathi or Benares as it used to be called which is probably the oldest religious ongoing religious town or city uh, in, in the world unbroken chain of pilgrims at least three or four thousand years and after one of the meditations an American woman named Faith came up to me and she said uh, uh, Christopher uh, I decided to uh, leave the Dharma program in Sarana I decided to take a flight straight back to London because I want to join the Human Shield in um, Iraq so I spoke with her about it one or two others spoke with her about it trying to make sure that she was as clear and as confident and as heartfelt as she wished and she seemed to be she was a woman in her I would think perhaps mid or late fifties uh, two or three days ago <coughs> I was watching uh, Channel 4 television news at 7 o'clock in the evening and Faith was uh, uh, speaking to the reporter and she said that she was staying with a family which was located by an oil refinery on the edges of uh, Baghdad that in being there She'd been there since uh, uh, a month. She said rather, rather touchingly that the family, the 11 children in the family, the family of course was extremely worried and uh, anxious, and she said she'd just made, as, and also a young Englishman in his mid-twenties who was there as well, she made such friends with the people around your refinery with the family that she was staying with she said she felt she just couldn't desert them she couldn't leave them no matter what happened no matter what, how bad the bombing was she just could not leave, leave, leave them and the family and the, and the neighbours uh, uh, around her were extraordinary as one can imagine appreciative and it just sends out such a totally different message of one American citizen acting in a completely different way to what its government is advocating. Of course she's under great risk. Of course we don't know what the, how it will be for her. But I think it's a very bold and brave example, and some would say naive one as well, of the heart's willingness to witness, to give attention to something that, 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 that matters and to do it at great personal risk there and uh, prayers for her and for all those that are there and this is, this is something about in life how people can take steps and there's something extraordinary about the power of attention the power of awareness the relationship of it to the heart and getting that meeting very very well established very very well established we have a good friend, Yana Jyoti. I think of him as the 
the Bodhisattva of Brighton who not only organises uh, lots of uh, uh, walks but has been to uh, Jerusalem currently is in uh, uh, Nablus in, in the occupied West Bank why is he there? he's witnessing he's, he's with the International Solidarity Movement ISM and while there he's been witnessing and reporting back of the, the destruction of lives and property and, and homes and all the, the, the nightmare of, of occupation so again it's an example of, of people in their own networks in their own communities as many as well as elsewhere as well of people who feel the heart and awareness and love and compassion that these beautiful forces of the uh, inner life link up in some way with attention and somehow some strength comes out of that somehow some capacity comes comes out of it of course it will only be a, a very small um, minority who will who will go to such lengths who will go to such uh, uh, places of extreme danger but there are others and others of us uh, here who, in our own way, could keep making this uh, link. And that's why we're applying that principle here. That's why that with our meditations and with our walking outside, endeavouring to bring the heart and witnessing very, very close together. It's a great, great practice. A week or two ago, dear friends, the talk about witnessing. Dear friends, the Jehovah's Witnesses knocked on the front door. Actually, they, they, I've been living in the same little terraced house for the past uh, 20 years. So they got to know me, because uh, even though the, the, the lovely people just come in pairs, and they're often, often different pairs that come. But, uh, so sometimes we talk, they know I have a deep uh, uh, love of uh, uh, Jesus and uh, the uh, insights and uh, great wisdom as well as great love that's shared in the, the New, New Testament. So in a, a rather uh, recent uh, visit when they, they, they knocked on the door and I said to them, I'm not sure if I can agree with everything in the Bible but I don't find anything to object to what uh, Jesus says as best I can to be very much in tune with that so then they ask me, what do I do, etc. So, the Buddha gives a lot of good advice about um, language and communication. So, they say, well, what do you do? So I say, oh, I teach witnessing. And then there's a problem. Well, he teaches witnessing, we're Jehovah's Witnesses. So, um, and then they ask me a little bit, a little bit more about what, what that means. This is what happened in a recent conversation uh, with. Then they asked me, I remember last meeting was, who do you work for? And I said, I, I never work for, I can't work for anybody, I'm just not able to do it. So um, then uh, they said, oh, you work for yourself. I said, oh no, that, that thought's even worse. <laughs> <laughs> The idea of working for myself really seems like work. 
so uh, they said, well, you must either. You've got to either working for some organization or you're, or you're working for yourself. And then I said, oh, I said no, and then I said, um, um, oh, I work for Jehovah. <laughs> like that. Then they said, would you like to come along to the Kingdom Hall to have this Kingdom Hall? I said, no, 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 because, no, because I'm a Jehovah's Witness. Why would I want to go? Because I teach witnessing and I do it, do it for God. So I said, I'm a Jehovah's Witness, so why, could, why, would I, why would I need to go to the Kingdom Hall to become a Jehovah's Witness when I am already one? They smiled and gave me the leaflets and said, thank you very much. <laughs> anyway, such is life. So sometimes, with witnessing of, uh, of each moment, it seems very ordinary, of course. It doesn't seem very uh, uh, special. We could ask ourselves well, what, what the, the point is in it. But it really is a real, just genuine practice here. Genuine practice of just being established in the moment, for the love of life, for the enjoyment of life. When we look at today, we might ask ourselves, just in the course of our day, what have we noticed that, that we have responded to most? What touched us most? What have we appreciated? What was our response at that time? Did we just stay with that and let that connection be well established or did we move on? Did it come through one of the senses? What was the response? So just keeping heart and mind uh, open is that kind of chance, is that kind of opportunity? Is it, what touches us? What touches us? And I think it probably almost goes without saying. If this was our last day on earth, again, a long standing practice here, this was our last day on earth, <coughs> think of the level of energy there would be in the whole. Think of the level of, of uh, awareness. Think of the alertness that would be present to us because we know of the uncertainties that are close at hand. And sometimes what we forget is life is one day at a time. It isn't that we can take anything for granted in any, in, in any way. And I think the problem that we have is we take things for granted. We take it for granted. While I was in um, uh, in uh, India, I received a message, and uh, a message from two friends, Helen and Colin, and they said that a dear friend of Gaia House and a dear friend of. Uh, of people in Totnes, Morris Ash, uh, had died. And Morris were, and his wife Ruth, who died in the 19, she died in mid-1980s, were the owners of a very large estate, the Sharpen House, 
some 700 acres, a huge, uh, large Palladian house with some of you who would have been to it with a very impressive uh, stairway. And Morris, for 20 years, was the chairperson of Dartington Trust. And a very selfless and unpretentious person, and uh, quite a delightful uh, person, he was about 85, 86 years of age, had made his home available for teaching, for classes, for communities, for a Buddhist uh, college, for a whole variety of activities. And he himself, while owning this large estate and with this beautiful house, just preferred to live very quietly in (coughs) one little bottom corner of the house, which was basically a one-bedroom wing of the house. And in uh, January, his three uh, daughters uh, were there and others for a trust meeting and Morris was in the bathroom and in this particular case just had what the doctor referred to as a heart rupture and just died, never knew it. The doctor said it would have been like fainting. And some of us, and myself, um, having known uh, Morris for uh, uh, 20 years and like many others uh, loved him, revered him for his uh, wisdom, his deep appreciation of the philosopher Wittgenstein and uh, the, the teachings and just before I went to uh, India he was round at, uh, he came out of my house it was a very, very uh, r- rare visit and uh, said to him, God, if I'd known you were coming round I would have found some red carpet you're the nearest thing to royalty we've got in top left. And um, Morris's whole manner and way, way of uh, uh, being, and sometimes in lots of areas of, of life, had a rather um, uh, lo- lovely, lovely attitude. And sometimes we, we all get a bit too preoccupied, let's say, with exercise, you know. I do a lot of exercise, I hope all of you, 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 you do. But there are others who have quite a different view, and Morris was certainly one of those. And when, um, once he had um, fainted, uh, no, no, he hadn't fainted, his left leg gave away. Oh, you remember this. His left leg had gave, gave away, and, uh, and he fell over. So he went to see the local doctor in Tottenham. And he said to the local uh, doctor what had happened. And the doctor said to him, Oh, Mr. Ash, do you have any stairs in your home? And if one has been to this house, the stairs wind beautifully up and up and up. He said, Yes, yes. yes." So he said to Morris, To strengthen your leg, you put one leg up, then you put the other leg up to the same step, the other leg, and, and, and keep doing it like that, one, 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 and this will help to strengthen the leg, so that's less likely to happen. So a few days later, I was having dinner with Morris, I said to him, he told me the story, so I said, did you do it? He said, oh, no. No, he said, I, I never exercised, it's bad for your health. And sometimes these kind of ironic turnarounds of, uh, of, of viewpoints 
can just help to put in perspective if we're a bit too much leaning over on the other side of uh, health and uh, in his case long life uh, died I think 86 uh, uh, years of age and uh, much loved and uh, appreciated so this not taking anything for granted not taking anyone in any way for granted I think helps certainly helps me and I'm sure it helps all, all, all of us to keep alert to keep aware to keep conscious to keep alive and even though we may live in the world of approval and disapproval and praise and blame and likes and dislikes etc still witnessing of life to be conscious of it matters far more than praise and blame likes and dislikes approval and disapproval getting what we want not getting what we want doesn't matter near, anywhere near as much as what it is to really sense the life and meditation in its best sense and its best tradition is a real reminder to us to do that to really sense the life when it's here out of that cells release vitality heart releases love and we really feel alive May all beings live with the power of witnessing. May all beings realize the meeting of attention and love. May all beings stay awake. So let's just have a couple of quiet minutes together, shall we?